Greetings, friends. My name is Weston Nakamura from BlockWorks Macro in Tokyo at Asia Markets Close. Welcome to the Market Depth Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. Happy July 4th for my fellow Americans back at home. For me in Tokyo, I did have Shake Shack for two days in a row. That's my way of doing my part in celebrating the 4th. All right. So this is a big one for China. We have some major leadership changes underway at the very top of China's central bank, the People's Bank of China, PBOC, in which the vice governor of the PBOC, Pan Gansheng, he has been elevated to the top spot of the central bank for a reshuffling of leadership right in the midst of this very make or break critical moment of policy for the Chinese and therefore the global economy and, of course, with broader market implications as well. There's something far bigger going on than the PBOC leadership reshuffle, and that's being way overlooked. But basically, Beijing is essentially showing their hand, not by choice, of course, but by action. And that is one of distress and urgency, specifically as it relates to the currency meltdown, which in the past, call it week or so, has shoved its way to the front of the line of fires that need to be put out immediately. So much so that even the property sector, the raging dumpster fire that that is by itself, even that needs to kind of stand aside for the moment in the immediate because as massive and as widespread a bomb at, that the you know property sector risk is, a potential currency crisis would hit 100% of the population. All individuals, households, livelihoods, every single business, and of course, the state sector itself. And although China may or may not even care, havoc in the yuan would have global market implications and impact, as we saw a small sample of in August of 2015, and the massive cross-asset global volatility explosions that had ensued uh, from the yuan devalue. Now, so what I'm saying right now is just based on my own view of the matter. It's based on a ton of digging around and conducting of you know analysis um, on the matter that I've done over the past several days to prep for this particular episode. So like everything else, I can very well be 100% wrong, and we will see in time. But what matters in the here and now is that this angle and this approach is at least being presented to you because it's being completely overlooked and missed by the broader consensus coverage out there in financial media. So as always, I'm just going to present this to you and then you can do as you wish and apply it accordingly to your own respective framework. Um, or you can say it's 100% nonsense or otherwise. All that's fine. I don't really care. I just care that you at least heard me out and that I appreciate your giving the time of day to do so. Okay, so today I will be going over who is this new head of the PBOC, um, but also what of the incumbents at the PBOC who just got axed. The, the people who were just reappointed to these positions in March of this year, just a few months ago, what changed since then? Um, and just kind of the latest developments in this leadership change that's currently underway at the People's Bank of China. And then I'll also present my, I guess if you want to call it alternative take of my own on the matter, that the current mainstream narrative and the broader financial media ecosystem is not at all covering, right? Particularly on this notion of the new guy being a so-called continuity candidate for the PBOC and its policy implications going forward. Look, fine. Like, that, he very well may be, and that might be the case, and that is indeed important. But 
that is absolutely not what the headlines or the interpretations should be in the immediate as like the primary headline, okay? And I will show you exactly what I mean, but I'm also going to show you how the media coverage is completely missing this big picture, okay? So, because I have a ton to get through, I'm just going to play this clip from Steve Engel at Bloomberg. She's based in China and Hong Kong. Just to kill two birds with one stone. One is to provide the overview itself of the news itself. And then number two, simultaneously to show you what overlooking and mistargeted attention from the media looks like. You've been watching these developments, the succession plan itself. Unsurprising. Is this the continuity candidate? Yeah, he absolutely is. He's another policy wonk uh, like Yi Gong, uh, has a, a career banking background. Uh, he was also, you know, a, a visiting uh, professor, I believe, at, at Harvard and Cambridge. He has international experience. He's well regarded both internationally and domestic, and he has that commercial banking expertise. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is a continuity candidate. And it's interesting that he will be taking over as the party chief while Egong still is the governor. We're hearing rumblings that perhaps the top leadership wants to consolidate that role back into a dual role, one individual being the party chief as well as the governor. Uh, and uh, again, it doesn't necessarily uh, you know, mean that Egong and also the outgoing party chief, Guo Shuqing, didn't do their job. They're just simply at retirement age. Egong is 65, Guo Shuqing is 66. This gentleman, Pan Gongsheng, is relatively young. He's 50. Uh, so he has a few more years. Uh, and, and again, the interesting part about this, though, as we all know that Xi Jinping, as he consolidated his power at the Party Congress in October uh, and November, essentially wants to put more party control over some of these state organs. Keep in mind, the PBOC reports directly into the state council, which is obviously run by Li Qiang, the premier. Now, again, PBOC is not independent from the government and from the party. They have to take their cues from party leadership. The interesting thing about Pan Gongsheng is back in the party reshuffle in, uh, at the Party Congress last autumn, he was left out of the 200-member standing committee. Guo Shuqing, the man he's replacing as the party chief of the PBOC, was a central committee member. So Pan Gongsheng, not a top party leader. So what does that mean? Does that mean the PBOC, if indeed Pan Gongsheng takes over in the dual role as governor and party chief, will the PBOC have less of a role, less of a say uh, going forward as far as economic policy? Let's talk a little bit of economic policy, right? I mean, you continue to say the word continuity. Does that mean perhaps more targeted lending and not necessarily the sort of massive monetary stimulus that markets have been waiting for? You know, this was a topic that we spoke about all week at the World Economic Forum down in Tianjin. I heard Zhu Min, who is the former deputy governor of the PBOC, former deputy managing director of the IMF, on Friday he was on a panel and he says, look, Stop thinking about massive stimulus. It's not going to happen. In his estimation, he's at Tsinghua University now. He's not in the government. But he is essentially saying China has very high debt already. We also heard on the sidelines of the World Economic Forum, uh, the London School of Economics professor, Ke Yu Jin, says there is enough room for stimulus. But the problem is that you need a massive stimulus in the millions, trillions of renminbi to have even a moderate effect on the economy. Okay, so that's the basic summary of what's going on. Going on 
by the way, I just want to say, I, for the record, I like Steve Engel. I, you know, for many years, I've regarded him as a highly credible, useful, objective source of breaking matters out of China. Okay. However, Steve Engel is not a markets person himself. He's more of like a policy person. And so they're in the, therefore you have, you know, uh, someone who's going to miss the bigger picture um, tie in that's that's going on. So this whole thing was first originally reported by the Wall Street Journal over the weekend, but then was, you know, kind of confirmed officially by the by the state uh, shortly thereafter. And so, you know, Steve Engel goes through a lot of names and positions uh, shuffling around and it might be kind of confusing um, so what I did was I just put together like my own little org chart, if you will, graphic to run through and hopefully provide more clarity. And yes, I'm aware that I have like third grader PowerPoint aesthetics. So just bear with me on that. Okay. So on the left column, we have the three key actors in this saga, and I've listed them in order of authoritative command and power ranking. Um, that's been the structure over the past several years until, Xi Jinping's recent great reshuffling began um, starting with the Party Congress uh, last October of 2022, okay? So, at the top, we have Guo Xinqing. He is the previous incumbent and now outgoing Communist Party Secretary of the PBOC. Now, as Steve Engel mentioned in the clip, the PBOC is not an independent body from the government. Um, it answers to the, the party, the Communist Party, okay? So this role of Communist Party Chief Secretary of the PBOC, this is actually the most powerful political position at the central bank, and it carries more weight and influence than even the position of the governor of the PBOC, which is the next road down, um, Yi Gang. Yi Gang is the governor of the People's Bank of China since 2018, and he's been the public face of the central bank that we've all been you know, familiarized with over the last several years, if not decades, given his, like, very international, um, you know, personal presence. Um, he, I mean, he's, he speaks perfect English. He, he's very sharp and articulate. You know, he has, like, economics PhDs from, I think, University of Illinois. And he, he also, I think he taught at Purdue University. And uh, he's so very kind of Western Americanized. But anyway, so he's the PBOC governor um, who we've been hearing from over the last, like, five-plus years, right? Though it seems that that's no longer the case going forward, he will also be exiting his post. And then finally at the bottom, we have Pan Gongsheng, and he is the newly appointed head of the PBOC and is expected to shortly be in the role of the governor of the PBOC as well. Okay, um, but from 2012 until this past weekend, he had been the deputy governor of the PBOC. But he's also been holding other key roles simultaneously uh, and currently as well, okay? Which, in my view, ultimately led to him currently getting rushed into this top spot at the PBOC underway right now. So Pan had also been the head of the State Administration of Foreign Exchange, otherwise known as SAFE, since 2016. SAFE is China's foreign exchange regulator. Um, who basically oversees China's massive $3 trillion of foreign exchange reserves, i.e. he is basically tasked with at least attempting to manage the currency, especially in terms of price action and price levels or the yuan is trading, by whatever means he has at his disposal. Okay, And he not only has a few uh, you know, kind of tools at his disposal that he can use, but 
he has had direct personal experience in using them, um, the full gamut of them over the years. What has he been doing in terms of, you know, supporting or maintaining or overseeing the currency? Well, as I just mentioned, he has use of safes, FX reserves, okay? Um, but he's also the guy who has been imposing and setting parameters around capital controls around China. Um, he's also known as the guy who's been proactively squeezing speculative shorts and derivative markets. And, of course, like jawboning, okay? He's danced on the graves of Yuan shorts, and as I'll show you later. And he's been very vocal about the internationalization of the yuan as of late and other sort of aggressive public quotes of note but the key point that i want you to remember here with pan and his record is that he is an international markets guy okay if not the foremost international markets guy within china's officials both in practice and in reputation and in perception okay keep this point in mind he is a markets guy he he gets it and he is perceived to get it okay now to add to that pan also has a background in in banking prior to his policy and regulatory career he brought two of the big four state-owned banks he brought them public via ipo okay that's a massive task to bring a state-owned bank to ipo in china and just for those who don't know of the five largest banks in the world by assets the top four of the of the five largest are the big four Chinese state-owned banks. And then J.P. Morgan is number five in the world. Okay? So, two of the largest banks in the world, he brought public. Um, and then, to further add to his resume, he's also the one who had designed and carried out the now infamous three red lines from 2020, um, which had been implemented uh, to rapidly and purposely strangle the Chinese property and development sectors and their highly leverage-dependent business models, okay? And then as if that's not enough to also have his plate and on his record, Pond is also the head of the leading group of Internet Financial Risks Remediation. And what do they do? They regulate fintech and crypto, okay? So let's just start with crypto. 2017, as China first started their crackdown on crypto, Pond said... Quote, if you sit by the river and watch, one day the corpse of Bitcoin will float in front of you. Now, whatever you want to make of that quote, fine. doesn't matter. I don't really care. What matters to me is just two things to pull from that. Number one, before anyone gets like emotional about this, about that quote in itself, of itself, that comment isn't about crypto or Bitcoin. He doesn't care about those things either way, um, before or against Bitcoin or crypto itself. That was a strategic comment made of capital controls and preventing capital flight at that time in 2017 which for which bitcoin provided an avenue to flee the yuan so he's going to trash that avenue to try to trap capital inside china and not because he has some sort of like actual concern about the speculative risk of btc and volatility for like chinese citizens portfolios or whatever okay second takeaway from that quote about bitcoin corpse or whatever floating in front of you is simply that this is yet another example of the types of aggressive public statements that he makes. And, th like, this is kind of, this is his style, right? And thereby, we should be ready to expect, I guess, very aggressive potential commentary coming out of the central bank under his leadership. So don't get thrown off by that if suddenly 
the PBOC starts talking about corpses floating around rivers and whatnot. Okay. Um, in addition to, to Bitcoin and crypto, he's also been behind the big tech crap, uh, crackdown that we saw uh, occurring in you know 2021. The Alibaba, Tencent, Meituans, JDs, and so on and so forth, right? Um, he's also behind that, okay? So he's behind the tech and crypto crackdown, the property sector cra- crackdown. He's been a leader in the broader anti-corruption drive and, and far more. So in addition to being a markets guy, he's also a guy who follows the party line, whatever that may be at the moment. And even if the party line should change, he will change along with it as per all of the aforementioned things now having seemingly flipped on its head from his efforts at the time, right? The tech platform crackdown of 2020-2021, that's now turned around and has is currently the stance is, you know, to, to be one of, you know, support of the platform economy. Um, crypto making like a resurgence in Hong Kong as we speak. Property sector crackdown that spearheaded China's broader economic deterioration alongside zero COVID, of course. But the, the property sector, three red lines deleveraging hammer, that's been replaced by a, I guess, a Band-Aid or whatever. But that's basically has has turned around as well. Okay, so does this make Pan a failure, or does it make him a success for carrying out orders with vigor and authority? Well, the answer to that isn't simple at all, and we will get back to it. But for now, that's who Pan is. Okay, that's who the new head of the PBOC, the People's Bank of China, is. Okay, so all three of these guys, Guo Xingcheng, Yi Gang, and then Pan Gosheng himself. They were all senior-level officials, and all three, they were instrumental figures within the party, and Yi Gang, in particular, had been a Xi loyalist. But in 2022, last year, at the China Party Congress, in which Xi had secured his third term, when the 200-member list of the Central Committee, the Standing Committee, was unveiled, all three of these guys had been surprisingly dropped from the Central Committee membership. Um, even Yi Gang, which came as a surprise because, as I mentioned, he was a you know Xi Jinping loyalist. But despite being dropped from their Central Committee memberships, all three of them were kept in their roles. As in, like, they were actively reappoint- reappointed after, th- after these exclusions from the Standing Committee. Right? And Yi Gang... He had finished his five-year tenure as the governor of the PBOC, and then he was reappointed to serve another term in March of this year. This was just three, four months ago. Okay, and I'm going to get into this part more in depth later, but I just want to quickly show you a sample of the media coverage at that time, three months ago, four months ago, in March of this year. Okay, these are some of the headlines from March 12, 2023, from the National People's Congress in which Xi Jinping had reappointed Yi Gang to, as governor of the People's Bank of China, despite having dropped him from the standing committee list in October of last year. And yes, I have the word con, you know continuity underlined here, but just put that aside for now. And just look at the broader kind of headlines. Do any of these headlines, by the way, and by the way, they're by and large all of them look you know more or less the same. Do any of these headlines give an impression that Yi Gang's reappointment in March 2023 was supposed to be some sort of like temporary place filler for a few months until somebody else emerges? No. Okay. The reading at the time was that 
she has re- is you know re- retaining his like is existing economic team at least these positions right despite expectations of a shakeup according to FT right i.e. like expected shakeup has been averted averted for the sake of continuity okay so let's just fast forward a bit to present day to, to this past weekend and we have Guo Shu Chin the PBOC party chief out and that role has now been given to Pan. And on the same day, Yi Gong, PBOC governor, he's also out. And the assumption is that Pan will also be appointed the governor position at PBOC in place of Yi Gong's exit. Okay? And thereby consolidating both the role of the governor and party chief at the People's Bank of China, um, which had been the kind of prior norm of having a dual role, as well as these other roles, especially the director of, of SAFE, the state FX body. Okay, so Pan has basically now elevated to party secretary at the PBOC as Guo Shuqing gets shoved out. Uh, and the expectation is that, you know, with Yi Gang now also already out of the governor's role, that role will also go uh, to Pan and thereby consolidate the party secretary role plus the governor's role at the PBOC um, as per what had been more or less a typical norm of both roles under one person starting as far back as going as far back as like 1995 in sort of modern terms. Okay. All right. So I hope that this sort of help clarify with the names and the roles and all of the kind of reshuffling taking place. Okay. All right. So now let's take a look at how financial media, particularly Western financial media has been reporting this. First of all, the FT headline is probably the most embarrassing miss of all of the big picture headlines amongst all of them. Not that it's like, true or untrue or whatever but the that just absolute zero value and insight provided not that the others are much better um but just take a look at the consensus reading of this okay there's nothing about yigong's exit nor about pan's fx markets involvement and expertise amidst a crumbling yuan happening simultaneously nor the question of simply why and why now is this taking place and rather the consensus message or coverage message is simply Pan Gongsheng is a continuity candidate, right? That's what the broad consensus coverage is, continuity candidate. We have a new PBOC head, and he's a continuity candidate. Now, here's why that in and of itself is very stupid. Here is once again the headlines from March 2023, when Yi Gang, the guy who was just shoved out, Three months after being reappointed, this is when from when he was reappointed in March of 2023. And what were the headlines then? Yi Gang's reappointment in March 2023 is continuity. Okay, that's what it was just a few months ago. Reuters, March 12th, 2023. Quote, China chooses continuity, retaining central bank chief. FT, March 12th, 2023. Xi Jinping retains China's central bank head in boost to markets. President opts for greater continuity on the economic team. 
despite expectations of a shakeup. Okay, so those headlines, those were legitimate for that moment, right? That Xi Jinping had reappointed those that were dropped from the standing committee in October, like Yi Gang, you know, reappointed as the governor of the PBOC. That signals policy continuity amidst tough economic, you know, challenges. It just signals stability and familiar, familiarity with to, to markets. Okay. All right. So, but then if that's the case, then less than four months later, when these continuity incumbents suddenly get axed on a Saturday at the beginning of July, why in the hell would the headlines and consensus narratives be of continuity to report on this sudden leadership change? Why would it, why would the headline message be the same thing as it was in March, right? Like, sorry, I don't mean to pick on Bloomberg specifically this episode, but they're being especially stupid on this, and so I have to show you to compare and contrast you know, March and July. March 12th. And by the way, these should say March 2023 and July 2023. That's my mess up on the side there. But March 12th. This is when Yi Gang is reappointed to be governor of the People's Republic of China. Okay? Bloomberg says, quote, China signals stability with surprise move to keep PBOC governor. Stability with a surprise that sounds like a contradiction within its own headline, okay? But fine, whatever. All right, so that was March of 2023. And then now, if you just fast forward to current times, July of 2023, when this newly reappointed stability continuity PBOC governor of Yigang, when that guy is sacked after three months, the Bloomberg headline today is, she's central bank shakeup prioritizes Continuity over change. And again, with this headline itself, a shakeup is prioritizing continuity over change. Isn't a shakeup a change? Okay, and so here is the thing with all this nonsense work from the media. First, where are they getting this like continuity word, this talking point? I don't know. But I do know that China party officials themselves are labeling all of this with the word continuity, starting with the announcement itself. So maybe from that, most likely from that. I'm not saying that they're like they're being dictated to use that term. I'm saying that they're just being lazy. They're copy pasting, copy paste media reporting. Okay. Um, but that aside, even at the most basic level, how would any change from what was continuity just three months ago be continuity today upon change. If they wanted to prioritize continuity, especially during these trying times, why not keep Yi Gang on as per your reappointment in March of 2023, even or especially despite being dropped from the standing committee list in October? Is this new PBOC chief somehow more Yi Gangi than Yi Gang himself? Right, so now the, the other consensus, okay, and the only narrative explanation as to what happened to guys like Guo and Xi and, and Yi Gang, right, is that they are above retirement age at sixty-five and sixty-six, respectively, as per what Steve Engel had also said in that clip from earlier, right? They hadn't done anything particularly wrong, and they're just at retirement age. Okay, this too is nonsense. Come on, Steve Engel, you're far better than that. Is it, is it really a retirement age matter? 
like we're we're young and Guo Shuqing, what like twenty years younger in March twenty twenty three, upon their reappointments, because clearly they were reappointed despite their retirement ages. Their ages had been known; they were reappointed anyway, which means that that factor didn't matter, or wasn't enough of a factor to prevent their reappointments three months ago in March. But now the retirement age is an issue? When the economic picture is far worse? Now is when the retirement age factor takes more of a higher priority than actual need for policy continuity and stability? Why? Really? Why? No. Okay? No, this is just clearly idiotic, right? It's just incredibly lazy read of what's actually going on. Okay? That's why. That's what I'm saying. So... What's actually going on? What actually did change between March 2023 reappointments and July 1st bootings of these guys out of the central bank? Well, I don't know for sure, but I think it might be, oh, I don't know, markets and economy related. More so than like birthdays and retirement parties of of two guys, okay? So now that you're caught up with the latest developments and the head changes at the People's Bank of China, as well as being caught up with what the nonsense talking points of consensus are out there. Here's my personal analysis and view of what's really going on with the People's Bank of China and China policy action, more broadly speaking. China is currently in panic mode, if not battle mode, focused on their deteriorating currency, the yuan. And Pond, this new guy, is not a continuity candidate. He is a Yuan stop-loss candidate, meaning Pan, he is there for one immediate and urgent reason. Do something about the Yuan before it truly collapses. We are at critical levels on dollar-yuan, USD-CNH, USD-CNY. If that currency pair breaks meaningfully through 7.3, then it would be a breakout to a new 15-year low on on the yuan, as opposed to just having currently being you know last year's low, okay. And although Chinese assets are taking a beating all year, the yuan in particular is really getting hammered, okay. So see this chart of the Hang Seng Index versus the yuan. Hang Seng at least finds some sort of support recently, temporary or otherwise, but. Just look at the the yuan is just one just one directional downwards. One of the factors being yield spreads or policy divergences, right? Uh, it's kind of, that's kind of the same issue that's killing the Japanese yen currently as we speak. But the difference between the Japanese yen weakness and the Chinese uh, yuan weakness on the policy divergence front is that Japan has been on autopilot easing mode with yield curve control or. In other words, Japan's easing is relatively static and standstill against the sharply tightening rest of the world. And so yield spreads diverge and the yen weakness is is more of a function of you know other currencies strengthening as much as it is yen. But in China's case, the policy easing is not static or unchanged, right? But rather it is getting or expect to get more loose actively um, while the rest of the world is going the opposite way. And so with China, you have two parts 
moving in two directions. China is stepping up easing and the world is tightening. It's not Japan's like unchanged easing as the world tightens sort of situation. Okay, that's the that's the difference in terms of policy spread and you know nominal yield spreads. Um, and so here is dollar yuan from 2022 till now, uh, inverse. And I've just drawn a line at the seven handle. Now remember, I kept keep saying that the yuan is a barometer of what's going on with the big picture um, in China financially and economically and all that, right? If you just look at this chart, this chart tells you the story of why Xi Jinping and the leadership is seemingly so back and forth about like his appointments and stuff like that, okay? Um, as it relates to his like economic team and the central bank. So just going back to this table, if we look at this alongside the Yuan chart, it explains what happens in, in this table. Okay, so October of 2022, China Party Congress. Xi Jinping secures his spot for China ruler for life. But this is when, you know, people are being added and dropped from the very coveted 200-member party committee list, right? And look at the destruction in the Yuan that took place, not just at the time of the party congress itself, but all year long. And so... When it's time for party congress and to reveal the list of who had made this list and who got dropped, that's why the three from the PBOC got dropped from the Central Committee. And it didn't matter if you were a Xi loyalist like Yi Gang or just a party agenda follower like Pan or whoever. If you let the Yuan get crushed by 15% in six months when it previously stayed in a tight and steady plus minus 2% trading ban for years prior then you are not going to be a privileged insider. Okay, now let's fast forward from Party Congress in October of 2022 to March 2023, which is the National People's Congress. And look at that. Between those months, the China reopened trade had taken place and not yet died, and dollar yuan was now back below the seven handle and had been restabilizing. So that's why you get reappointments at the National People's Congress in March of 2023 for those from the PBOC who were left off of the Central Committee list in October of 2022 because it was a very different market at those respective times. Okay. But then what happened from the National People's Congress in March 2023 until current July 2023? Well... The yuan dives one directional downward and now back well through the seven handle once again. And over the past, say, week, week and a half or so, despite seemingly nothing of any substance happening with stimulus support out of China, policymakers out of China have actually been pulling out many different tactics to try and stem the yuan's decline, okay? That's what's different this time. These active measures that are being taken currently uh, in response to or in defense of the currency. All right. Now, first line of offense is the PBOC's daily yuan fixing rates that are conducted at 9.15 a.m. every single day. It's 15 minutes before cash equity open. This is when the PBOC sets the midpoint uh, trading range for the plus two, plus minus 2% daily trading band that dollar CNY can fluctuate within uh, before they, you know, step in and intervene into to, to FX markets. 
Okay, and this midpoint rate is derived from like a black box formula, but it's heavily influenced by the previous day's closing price. So let's say they want to get the yuan to be stronger um, for the following morning's fixing on any, on any given day. They'll get, say, one of the state banks to just bid up the market into the close um, for a higher close print to then reference off of for a higher yuan midpoint fix the next morning. Okay. Um, and then also every morning before the daily midpoint fixing rate is revealed, there are surveys um, of, of market players that are taken by like Reuters, by Bloomberg and others. And they basically kind of aggregate and average, you know, the what the, the estimate is, the consensus estimate is where market participants think that the yuan midpoint fix will come out for that day. And so what the PBOC does to in order to, you know to to signal their desire for a stronger or weaker yuan is they will set the fixing way out of line above or below whatever the consensus expectations are okay so if you look at this chart from bloomberg those like kind of black bars that you see um as of late that's like the delta the difference between the market estimate expectations of where the daily fix will be and where the PBOC actually sets the midpoint fix rate at. And as you can see, in the past several trading days, the PBOC has been very deliberate and very openly signaling for a stronger yuan, far more so than they have at any point this year. Now, these sort of like 100, 200, 300 pips stronger fixes, they, they, are, signif they, are, they are not insignificant by any means, okay? But they're really kind of nothing compared to some of the ranges that we saw in 2022. They, they were like double or more that these currently are um, and consecutively. Okay. Nonetheless, though, daily yuan fixing is the first line defense of the yuan. And that's been out in full force as of late and to little or no avail. So what else has China uh, been doing? Well, in the past few days, they've been doing a bunch of things. They've been directing uh, state banks to sell dollars and buy yuan, as I mentioned before. Okay. They're also conducting these surveys, right, um, more, more frequently and more often. Um, and then this headline caught my eye. Uh, JP Morgan Research calling for a possible circuit breaker needed to stop the yuan self-reinforcing downward spiral. I don't like to think that that's going to happen, but the fact that they threw that out there um, shows that their policy tools are, first of all, being deployed. And secondly, they are not working. And so they need something new. Um, and by the way, these measures of dollar selling and yuan buying um, and yuan surveying, all of that would be under the sort of watch and the jurisdiction of the newly appointed PBOC head, Pan, from his position at the head of SAFE, the Forex Reserves and Currency Management and all that, which is now rolled into one position at the PBOC altogether. Okay, Is that a coincidence? No, it's not. This is why Pangon Chang got suddenly shoved into the position at the top of the PBOC at this moment to consolidating all of his FX overseeing roles, as well as his prior experience battling Yuan sellers on capital flight and also having a record of just obediently following whatever orders, marching orders are given and then executing on them regardless of outcome and aggressively so and decisively so. And this is also why Yi Gang and Guo Shuqing had to go and had to go now. And it's not because of their so-called retirement age, which, again, this wasn't an issue three months ago when dollar yuan had a six handle on it rather than being on the precipice of breaking into a new 15-year low. That's when, I guess, these, the retirement age, quote-unquote, would matter. 
uh, another point on this retirement age, this whole like retirement age requirement thing, right? Pan Dongcheng is basically 59 years old. And so he's apparently being rushed through the confirmation process, ASAP, in order to take the helm at the head of the PBOC. Because his 60th birthday is next week, and therefore he would also be cutting it super close to this all-important retirement age. And heavens, wouldn't that be a disaster if he's not confirmed and slips in before his 60th date of birth? Just being clear examples of how, it's, how nonsense this retirement excuse is for their appointments, reappointments, and subsequent dismissal actions. Despite financial media actually believing and citing this retirement reason. Uh, you know, it is a continuity candidate. Uh, and uh, again, it doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, mean that Yi Gong and also the outgoing party chief, Guo Shuqing, didn't do their job. They're just simply at retirement age. Yi Gong is 65. Guo Shuqing is 66. This gentleman, Pan Gongsheng, is relatively young. He's 59. Uh, when I heard about the need to get Pan Gongsheng in before his 60th birthday next week and the level of granularity that they're abiding to down to the very day, whereas for Gigong and for Guo Xingqing, who are off by years and still reappointed, i.e. they are clearly flexible with the so-called retirement line in the sand at best. And so they need to get Pan in ASAP due to his birthday next week for that reason. That confirms to me that this whole retirement age thing is just nonsense once again made evident by yet another example in practice and be more importantly it shows the time urgency that they're at the very least perceiving to be under and that they're hiding they need him in asap and it's not because of his birthday okay now the one thing i can concede on regarding with the time and the kind of asap urgency that this is moving at is Janet Yellen's trip to China coming up and the need to have that guy in place for her, for whatever reason that may be. But I don't think that that's much of a factor, of a contributor to the rushing of Pan Gongsheng into the consolidated head of the PBOC and safe as the you know day-to-day -day or even intraday currency concerns are. Like I don't think it even compares to that level. And it's most certainly not a complete leadership overhaul at the top of the central bank because of Janet Yellen's trip alone, in case anyone's thinking that that was a reason. Okay, so Yellen's trip to China has somewhere between a little bit to absolutely zero to do with the PBOC overhaul move. Either way, the alarm over the currency is really what's driving this. Currency has just basically completely hijacked the focus and attention and urgency of Chinese officials over the last several days. Okay, and I don't know if it's just like a price level thing specifically or if there are broader knock-on implications that they see that we don't see that you know a runaway weak yuan would, would trigger that they're desperately trying to prevent but they're clearly just desperately trying to prevent something they're trying to throw everything at the fire as possible right now before something truly horrendous happens what's happening right now is not the truly horrendous thing they're trying to keep whatever the hell that is away this is also why they likely can't aggressively stimulate right now either despite everyone calling for it expecting it and all that because that would further weaken the yuan and yuan stability is of paramount importance at this moment in their in their eyes 
and you could tell like what their priorities are. Like just look at state media coverage out of China. It's very FX oriented. It's very Yuan weakness oriented. It's almost up to obsessive level. Okay, this is from June twenty sixth. This is before like the, the reshuffling and, and all of that happening, right? And by the way, Yuan weakness did persist. So whoever these quote unquote experts were that the Global Times is talking about, yeah, didn't work. And as I mentioned, you know, Wall Street Journal was the one who first kind of talked about this. Then the the official like word came out itself because the Wall Street Journal kind of missed the point or didn't deliver how they hoped. They were just very down the middle about this. Look at how the Global Times has covered this. Central bank <laughs> central bank funds promoted to party committee could boost yuan. I mean, do, does, do I need to say any more about what is behind this promotion? Like, why why does that have to be in the title? Because clearly that's what they're obsessively watching. And then I have this, like, section of it, right, from October of 2018. Okay, this is from what Pan said. And this is, he he's saying this from a uh, stance of being in this position of the director of SAFE and overlooking the currency and, you know, capital flight, FX reserves, all that. Quote, in recent years... PBC, the People's Bank of China, PBC and SAFE have accumulated rich experience and policy tools in dealing with exchange rate and foreign exchange market fluctuations. We have crossed paths with those who attempt to short the yuan a few years ago, and we are familiar with each other. I believe our memories are still fresh, Pan said. So he's <laughs> he's like, um, I don't know, he's like uh, a Hulk Hogan type of character? No, no, I don't really know, but he's a tough guy. Okay, like as opposed to take Governor Kuroda from the Bank of Japan, for example, um, who would just like murder widows, right, left and right all day with those who were trying to short the JGB market. He is not necessarily a a grave dancer per se, or like he wouldn't necessarily be verbally strong. But this guy is not, uh, that's not his style. This guy is very um, aggressive. So be aware that you have a kind of a and, and then especially compared to Yi Gong as well. Yi Gong is very almost you know professorial because he was a professor um, in his in the way he talks when he talks and that's not very often. Uh, I have a feeling that you're going to hear a lot more about out of the the People's Bank of China and I think that you're going to get a very different attitude out of people's People's Bank of China, and so just be aware of that. And the more that that happens, the more that it's going to signal that things are not well. Um, the more that they talk about how this should be good for the yuan and, you know, we have crossed paths with those who attempted to short the yuan a few years ago and we are familiar with each other, memories still fresh, I can still taste their blood, blah, 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 whatever whatever it is that he says, the more that they do that, the more it signals that they're, um, like th- their problems are persisting, if not getting worse. Um, so that is the signal that is is critical to to try to figure out and to watch, okay? So that's it for me. That's what I wanted to share. In terms of like a market view or anything like that, I don't have one. Why? Because I can't make one. Why can't I make one? Because I have no idea what this guy and what the party is going to do or not do, when, how, under what conditions, let alone market reaction, Okay. I have no idea about any of those things. So there's no market call right now. If dollar yuan, let's say it just stays like f- steady from here, that doesn't mean that 
everything that I just said is nonsense, by the way. It could actually mean that they are firing on all fronts, and that's why it's steady. And if not for that, dollar yuan might be a 10 or something. Okay, So we don't know what they're doing, um, and we don't know to what level of impact whatever they are doing or aren't doing is actually having. But what we do know is that they are taking very decisive, clear measures on one market or one asset class, the Chinese yuan currently right and everything else is almost being tossed aside at the moment and if they're that concerned to that level where they're making leadership changes so suddenly and in and so drastically and with full kind of gamut behind it with the with the uh, state media and all of these other yuan fixings all that stuff right everything behind it if they're that concerned then we all should probably be concerned that they're that concerned even if we don't know exactly why they are that concerned and where it's going to spill out. So I hope that this was helpful or will be helpful going forward. And I will obviously keep you all updated um, as new things sort of develop. But just be aware that this is happening. That's all. Okay. On behalf of Blockworks Macro, my name is Wes Nakamura. Thank you for your time. And we will see you soon. Thanks. Bye.